An intellectual carrot, the mind boggles. You see? You see? Your stupid minds. Stupid! Stupid! Earth has had Santa Claus long enough. We will bring him to Mars. I've been afraid a lot of times in my life. But I didn't know the real meaning of fear until... until I had kissed Becky. One thing will be clear. It's not for man to interfere in the ways of God. It's alive. Oh, it's alive. It's alive. It's alive. <laughs> Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Earth vs. Soup, episode, what, 134. I'm Aaron Pollier. And I'm Darlene. We are talking about Son of Frankenstein tonight. Darlene, can you talk about um, some of the background information for Son of Frankenstein? Yes, I can. Um, the budget was 420000 It was 99 minutes long. It was done shooting in 20 it was budgeted for 27 days of shooting um it has your fa uh, two of our uh, two of the big names uh karloff and Boris Bella, karloff Bella and Bally Lugosi. it actually has a third big name in it darlene but we cannot forget about basil rathbone as baron wolf von frankenstein but every time bell Lugosi as i eager or, or igor igor comes on in that thing he t steals the doggone scene okay so bell lugosi uh, I, I, let me let me say the the movie poster actually has basil rathbone as the you know lead in this is he in the most scenes absolutely he is he is yeah yeah he is a very charismatic actor in this and he does a damn good job of playing somebody that is very uh you know, he's usually a laid back character. You get that in the beginning, but then you see it ramping up of being. Things are falling apart and he is not the same character as his character's father. Um, no, he's Wolf Van. Yeah, yeah. I, he, what I'm saying is he's not the same kind of mad scientist. His entire point in this film is to. um it's to clear his father's name to prove that his father was a genius and not a madman. Okay. And, and so like when things start falling apart, it's not that he's like crazed and wants to create life. It's more of like, he's ashamed that maybe everyone is right about his family. Maybe everyone is right about his father and he's horrified by it because he doesn't want to be that. It's not like he has like a personal, I'm right. I can create God. You know, I can create life. I am a God, you know, and he's, he's more, not. he's a doctor from what I understand, a medical doctor. So, um, there's a couple things we should talk about before beginning in the plot. Yeah. He's a medical doctor in this. Um, this movie is obviously a sequel to Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein. Now, Darlene and I have had a very long discussion about continuity. Now I will say to begin with that continuity between all of these movies is loose. It is not a firm continuity. We were having a problem with the timeline really. Yeah. Because we thought we had to actually move the other two movies no. because this one 
ha- this being a son, he, it's got to be 30 years later. 30 or 40 years later, something like that. Because he's got a eight-year-old son. Yeah, but it, it's still, it's it's whatever Basil Rathbone's age is. And obviously you can just kind of make a, um, you can make some allowances that the character is playing a younger character than they are. Because, I mean, if, if you go by when this movie was made, 1939, Basil Rathbone would have been 47. Yeah, and I thought he was playing like a 38-year-old or so, so. But here's the thing. We don't have to move anything around. Because the first movie, while there might be dates on gravestones and things like that, and including in Bride of Frankenstein, remember that, that the original movie and Bride of Frankenstein are almost back-to-back. Yes. And in my mind, I will still argue that they are just one movie. Okay? Because otherwise, a lot of it just... They, so many things from both the movies bleed together from those two. But if you just say, hey, look, this is the, the original movie takes place somewhere around 1900, maybe a little before, maybe a little after. There might be gravestones. I think there are some gravestones that say like 1913 or something like that that somebody died in. It, it doesn't really matter. Even in this one, they have a uh, no. It doesn't no. have a date. No, nope. they, they don't, don't have any dates. So my my idea was that hey, look, the first two movies ignore the one gravestone, and this is why I say it's loose continuity. That the first two movies take place around 1900, 1901. Okay, Son of Frankenstein takes place in 1939. I am a little wary about that. I'd feel better saying that it takes place in the early 30s, which would then move the original movies back a little. It would have to have them move back a little further. The point is, is that they they do, in general, together, all three of these movies do have a continuity. It's loose. And the setting just... Because uh... remember, we, we know that, that, that Frankenstein had a daughter as well from um, Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes, but it's the 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 problem is in context of these films. It's because it, it's something that comes up with a lot of these Universal films from the late '30s, early '40s. Is that the war is completely ignored, and that makes it feel, or at least the rise of fascism. Because I mean, he hey, look, all these Frankenstein movies take place clearly in either Germany or Austria. Right? Yeah, and this place you, you see feels like an out, out of the way even though the train comes in. It still feels like it's out of the It's in the mountains of Austria somewhere. Yeah, it's It's in the Alps. It's in a uh not easy to access. Yes. Place. Well, if when when Wolf von Frankenstein arrives in the village, I know we haven't gotten into the plot yet. There is a sign for altitude, by the oh, way. Oh, it did. Yeah, for the village of Frankenstein. I, they don't call it the village of Frankenstein. They actually have a name for the village, but they, it later changes to the village of Frankenstein. It's like nine hundred and something meters, so like three thousand something feet up. I mean, so it's it's in the Alps somewhere. It's in the Alps, but the war is ignored. Or the rise of fascism, fascism is a, is ignored, and therefore it ends up having this very strange kind of timeless feel, which I think actually benefits the movie in the long run. All the villagers and all like the inspector in this movie 
um, they almost seem like they're early 1900s, late 1800s style of dress. Um, the only people that ever in all three of these films, the only people that ever seem to exist outside of that are the Frankensteins. And I'm not talking about the monster. I'm talking about the family of Frankenstein, because in this Basil Rathbone wears some interesting suits. And then there's Elsa wearing gowns and stuff. And those seem contemporary. Those, those are seem, very contemporary. Mm, mm, mm. And even the kid is wearing not, he's not wearing uh, the, the little shorts. Or, he's not wearing something that's like late 1800s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I agree with that. But remember that they're supposed to be from, the, they were living in England. So Basil Rathbone's playing Baron Wolf von Frankenstein. Now he is, I guess it's because his father is dead now. He inherited um, I'm going to correct you. He, the Baron was living, he said he lived in England. But if you listen to the conversation mm -hmm. between him and his wife, he was, they were living in America. Yes, because she is American. And she thought, like right at the beginning as they're, they're going on this train to the village, that she is just completely blown away by Europe. Well, okay, fair in enough. the background, I would have been creeped out because everything looks dead. Oh, God. Yeah, everything is like this dead tree swamp. It looks like a chemical attack happened in World War One. It looked like no man's land, didn't it? Yes. So, it, it, very uh, weird. Very weird. Um, and I would think from in the Alps, you would have a lot of trees, a lot of. Well, we should also. Pine trees. Too. Yes, we should say that it was at night fair enough and it was raining so you wouldn't be able to see a lot but what we did see was very bleak you'd still see I know that, darling. trees i know that darling you i'm just saying see trees that looked like yeah like you said it, you had a forest fire you wouldn't see anything out the window anyway they're just looking out there so um, there's also before we get into the plot as well we are going to disagree firmly on another aspect of this film which is and setting. it's the setting um because castle frankenstein does not look like castle frankenstein from the first two movies it doesn't i agree with that but i think it is it was never and, called a castle in it's the first it's one. a castle here it's a castle here it's a castle here it does it was... not look like the castle or the manor home in the first two movies in this i think it looks fantastic because it looks like german expressionalism everything about the um, everything about Castle Frankenstein in this is non-Euclidean. Everything is at an angle, a strange angle, non-90 degree angle. Yes, even the dartboard was on a angle. angle. It looks like the castle fell apart and then was just rebuilt without moving anything. Like it fell apart. There's like debris everywhere at weird angles. And they're just like, yeah, we'll rebuild the castle and not move anything. We're just going to plaster over fallen beams. Well, it looked like beams that were holding up the outside of the castle and they built inside it's the castle. It's very strange. That was nothing more than... it. If you want to have a modern example of what this sort of is, and this is why I think it works, because there is a modern filmmaker that uses this technique today, and it's Tim Burton. Think of Tim Burton, like think of um, Beetlejuice, or think of... Uh, the original Batman from like 89 
or think of, I'm trying to think of uh, Edward Scissorhands, things like that, where everything is just, it's kind of surreal, slightly cartoony. In this, it's not cartoony, but it's surreal. It's off-putting. Everything there is meant to put you off balance. And it does. And it does in this film. It is very well done. And now you don't like it because it doesn't look like the original castle slash manor home. It doesn't look like the manor home. And so it falls in continuity problem. Yeah, but I don't have a problem with that. Like I said. You don't, but I do. Because remember, Basil Rathbone's Wolf on Frankenstein has been gone. It's To me, it's clear that his father died a while ago. And I guarantee you, as much as the villagers hate the Frankenstein family in this movie that they tore that castle down. And then some buddy higher up in the nobility who's higher than Baron, a Baron Darlene. Uh, Earl, but that's English. Um, um, You'd have Dukes still in, yeah. in Prussia, the, the German Austrian. But I mean, again, that, that puts it into this weird timeless kind of it's the war isn't a thing. We should mention that the, the son of uh, the son of Wolf, Ron, the Peter. Peter, he's a, like a little kid in this. He's a little kid. He's a child actor. He's a child actor, and he was only a child actor. Yeah. He did Bambi. He was the voice of young Bambi. He's still alive today and is going to be doing something. Yeah, it, he's he's. I guess he's in a movie that's in pre-production, but he hasn't worked since Bambi in 1942. Like, good for him that he's he's doing something else. But, like, if you listen to this movie, if you're watching this movie, you do hear young Bambi in that child's act, in that child's voice. You hear young Bambi. It's weird. It's weird. Anyway, let's talk and about it, the plot. And well, we can one go other back thing into... I would like to point out okay. is that you have the Burgermeister, which is, is like the mayor. And there's a council. And let's just put it this way. I've got to put this. The court that they have is a kangaroo court. The well, the whole city council with of the burgermeister and, and all the other people, they're all dicks. They're now all... do they have a reason to be? Yeah, sort of. They actually sort of do have a reason to be as dickish as they are towards Frankenstein. Because But do they have it against Igor? Yeah. I'd say they do sort of. They do have reasons because Igor is a criminal. Yes, they he tried was to a blacksmith. He was that a blacksmith. Started to grave. Uh, he was a grave robber, which is a big deal. Moral, morally speaking, that's a big deal, right? And they hung him, but he survived. He's a thief. Besides grave robbing, what they did they, they said well he because he he kept saying like basically allegedly, you know you 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 uh, you accused me of, of stealing and maybe I stole allegedly you know and he does that kind of stuff but. Um, they hung him and he survived. Like he was declared dead, but he, he actually lived through this with a broken neck. And now he has like this really torqued out neck. And yeah, it's played by Bella Lugosi. And, and like you said earlier, Bella Lugosi steals every single scene he's in. Bella Lugosi, I would argue, and I would argue that he should honestly be second build in this. Yes, because Frankenstein. Boris Karloff should be top build. Boris Karloff should be top build. It should go Boris Karloff, Bela Lugosi, Basil. He had left less uh, screen time than the monster. Oh yeah, yeah. Yo, Bela Lugosi was on screen far more. Here, here's a piece of trivia for you. Okay, and I read this out of our uh, 
our Universal Monsters book that supposedly this is already at the point where Bela Lugosi's career was taking a nosedive. Okay. And there were multiple people on set that when they learned that Bela Lugosi got hired for this role for Igor, Igor's part was minor. Oh, and by the way, they also wrote the script while filming. Oh, in the 27 days. Supposedly Igor's part was tiny. And they paid Bela Lugosi under his contract as it was peanuts. It was nothing. And supposedly there was multiple people, not Boris Karloff. The rumor was that Boris Karloff stood up for Bela Lugosi. But at this point, they already had a really shitty relationship. It was other people involved in the, in the movie. They said, no, we're going to give Boris, uh, we're going to give Bela Lugosi more lines and more screen time to up his pay. Because this man's an American treasure he's he's a piece of filmmaking history and most people when you watch this film and we can i can say hey look i'm going to recommend this film bella lugosi and other people that are in the horror industry and love these old horror films feel that this might be bella lugosi's best performance it might I could be. almost say yeah from I, what i've seen yes see i love bella lugosi and everything he's in even plan nine from outer space where he's just completely blitzed out of his mind on heroin and he's clearly Here, at the end of his very life very clear he is clean but i mean what i'm saying is even in plan nine like the, that stock footage of him in plan nine you can tell that this guy's an actor like he's doing a good job he he, he is honestly trying um I think he's even at that point still better than many of the big name actors today. But here he's at the peak of his game and he rules the screen with charisma in a way that you do even see in Dracula. Like in Dracula, he rules the scene just by his eyes. In today with society as we are, we actually can be sloppier. Sure. Um, Especially in acting because they can go back and edit it out and re- redo Lots it. Lots of ADR. I mean, here, they could do things like that here. Here, but... they don't have that flexibility as much, especially when you're only shooting seven, 27 days. So these actors are like, you have, like acting on a stage, yeah. you have to be top notch and mm-hmm. on your lines and nothing can go wrong. Or it is in the film. Yes, but our three leads in general, Boris Karloff, Basil Rathbone, Bela Lugosi, they are all on the ball on this movie. They really are. Um, the other minor kind of uh, actors and actresses that we see in this movie, like I said, Donnie Dunnigan Dun- as the child who played Bambi. A child actor, did he good, do a good job in this? I'll, I'll actually say no. He was your typical child actor that put absolutely no emotion or pacing into it. He, he clearly grew in the three years between this and Bambi, because in Bambi, he acts. You can tell. But in this, it's not really acting. It's just a kid that has memorized lines and is saying it, right? Um, but Josephine Hutchinson is Elsa von Frankenstein. She's not in it a lot. She does a really good job. And she's very pretty. Uh, yeah, she's pretty, but I actually don't think that that's 
it's not a focus of the movie. Sometimes what, like with the movies that are later on, like fifties and sixties sci-fi movies, we'll, I'll definitely dote on like, Hey, this woman is gorgeous. Yes. Is Josephine Hutchinson gorgeous? Absolutely. But it's not the focus of the movie. Whereas those later films, it might, they might let the camera linger on those actresses longer. This, they don't really linger on her in a leering sort of way. She's very pretty, but I think her acting is what actually is kind of memorable in this. Uh, anyway, let, let's get into the plot and then we'll praise this movie and, and, and punt it a few different ways because there are things wrong with it. We've already maybe touched on I can't remember. We've been kind of babbling about it. There are things that I have criticisms about. So um, we, we are introduced to Bela Lugosi's Igor immediately in this film. He's like staring through windows in the village of Frankenstein. Again, it's not called Frankenstein in this movie, but I'm going to call it that just because... At the train station at the end. It it's like Frank the barony of Frankenstein or something like that. Um, Bela Gosi is like staring out the window. The kids are terrified of him. There's like kids running through the street. It's raining and they see Igor staring at, at them. And I thought that it was him looking through like the windows of an asylum. And I saw like a sign in German that said like entrance is forbidden in German. I think that's what it said. Um, Again, I'm not a German speaker. I just, the only German I know is from war films. So I know how to ask for a cigarette and, you know. And scream. <laughs> and, and scream. scream. My, my Leben. Yeah. Okay. So uh, it's a rainy night. The town council is talking about how there's a new Frankenstein that's arriving that night. And he is to receive his heritage. Now, this is the town council with the Burgermeister. Um, they are all And they're dicks. all, they're all against they want nothing to do with the family of Frankenstein. Not that they really have a choice, do they? Because no. this is still clearly imperial style, Germany, Austria, Hungary kind of, you know, like, hey, if a baron wants to come in and sit at his baron, barony property or whatever the hell you would call it, his the manor home, he has every right to do that under whatever law that they're talking about, because obviously they can't stop him from coming. They can't. Um, they say we have to have him here, but we don't have to like it. So they all uh, were, were introduced to the new Frankenstein with his American wife. He knows his father was very badly treated at this at this village and that the monster was a victim. He knows about the, the experiments that his father did, but he considers the monster a victim of ignorance. Which he was. He was. Until you watch Bride of Frankenstein, where he's a bit of a dick. After okay. the kill, after, after the blind man's cottage gets burned down. Yeah, but at that point, how much of his reaction is because of somebody else's action? Yes, but action. again, I think the monster has a choice in a lot of the stuff in Bride of Frankenstein. He just chooses to do that. Now, in this, the monster's kind of the villain, too. He's very much the villain. He's under control, but... And that puts you into the mindset that in two... What, Bride of Frankenstein? Bride of Frankenstein, his emotions are what's controlling him. This is, I think, Igor has spent 20 years conditioning the monster. Like, this is mind control. This is like Manchurian Candidate kind of stuff. We'll get into why that is. Um, so... They arrive at the station. Um, the inspector is there. Uh, and this is a character that 
appears in as a parody in Young Frankenstein, the inspector, the guy that has only one arm and plays darts. Do you remember Young Frankenstein with, with Gene Wilder? No. Putting on the Ritz and the monsters dancing. You need to watch that film. It is brilliant. I've watched it before. I'm just but not the, there's a parody it. of that character, and oh. this is this is uh, he has like the the fake arm and like anyway, um the the inspector is there, the burgermeister is there, the city council is there, and Basil Rathbone comes out and does the speech. Is like I'm not my father. I I know that you have had awful things happen to you. And the villagers just start walking off. Like screw you. Um, I don't need to listen to your crap. And in the end, he's like talking to the police, the inspector, and like maybe like one villager who just kind of shakes their head and walks off after a bit. Like it, it is very clear the villagers wouldn't piss on him to put put him out if he was on fire. Well, like, yes. And I I want to say this is because it's a uh, 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 let's think of the 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 villagers from his father's time they probably felt a bit guilty of what the shit they did. And what do you do when you feel... Do they? Let me give this. Okay, okay, What do you do when you feel guilt? You put blame on somebody else. You put blame on somebody else. Mm -hmm. So they put blame on the monster. I don't think they... Where they think they did. And what did they do to their kids? Ingrained into them this, this belief that the monster was evil that the frankensteins brought pain and suffering but here's the thing they're not wrong yes the villagers were the villains in the first movie they are the villagers are the monster and that's why the original frankenstein is still the best 10 out of 10 kind of movie it's man's inhumanity to man but henry in the second film was being forced by that by well, the doctor, like, uh, oh, what, what's his name? God damn it. Anyway, uh, is it, well, I want to say like Dr. Faust, but it's, it's not Dr. Faust. Do- it's Dr. Dr. Prater- Prater- uh, Pre- Pretorius. Pretorius, that's his name. Um, yes, he's being forced in that, but the monster is a villain in the last half of Bride of Frankenstein. So are the villagers wrong in this to feel that um, the family of Frankenstein has generally brought bad things to happen yes they're just as much as at fault am i at fault if my mother no no you're not so why should he be at fault because of his i'm not saying that the the villagers are right in feeling that wolf von frankenstein's a bad dude i think they have a right to feel that the frankenstein family has yet they they loved the father Oh, oh the, yeah, 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 yeah. Henry's so, father. Yeah. He was a good guy, even though he was a dick. He treated everybody like garbage. But yeah, he, he was, allowed he allowed them to have booze all the time. He gave them booze out of his cellars. Maybe that's the only reason the villagers liked them. I mean, he looked down at all the villagers as plebes. Yeah, he did. It's weird. Anyway, so uh, and Henry didn't te- treat them that way. He ends up getting uh, Wolf von Frankenstein gets uh, gets like a box of this is a welcome two thing. boxes yeah two one boxes one is the box that has all the papers yeah it's like the last the, will of Henry the okay the big box is all the ledgers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the small box is from his actual father mm-hmm. um and the small box has all the notes. 
of his father's experiments. Yeah. And mm. the one thing I'm going to say is this Inspector Cog. Krog. Okay. Um, Krog, yeah. He's wearing an artificial uh, arm because some kid, uh, because when he was a kid, his arm was ripped. His real arm was ripped off when he was a kid. Now, we don't see that in. We don't have to see every single attack in Frankenstein or Bride of Frankenstein. He said as a kid, he had his arm ripped out by the root by the monster. And there's no reason to disbelieve him. That had to have been in the second movie, not the first. Yes. By the way, the actor is uh, the actor is Lionel Atwell. Uh, he died in 1946. I mean, he wasn't. He was still old. He was like 61 in 1946 when he died. But he was Doctor X in Doctor X. So I mean, a, another one of these weird. Uh, one of the things we need to do. Yeah, one of these one of these movies we need to do. That he was in Man Made Monster. We, we uh, could do it next. We could do it next time. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, he was in. He was Moriarty and Sherlock Holmes and the Secret Weapon from 1942. Who like, wasn't Moriarty in these things? All these people are like all. Well, I mean, what I'm saying is there's lots of weird Sherlock Holmes connections in this. Anyway, um, he says yes. He says he had his arm ripped out. We didn't see it on screen, thankfully, because who's going to shoot a kid being having their arm ripped off? That's that's crazy. That's not yes, going to be shown on screen. But so uh, the next thing is. Who's to say uh, that it wasn't because of the village that the kid got his arm ripped off because so they pissed off. Baron Wolf is in awe of his father and his work. Um, he reads his father's last letter to him, giving him all the information he needs to continue his work. And this is where we're kind of shown the interior of the castle where it's this German expressionalism, this weird like Tim Burton-esque. Oh, and don't forget the door knocker. The door knocker is like three Doom. feet wide it's like three feet wide Doom. with a giant ring and and it, it just Doom. thank you darling we get the idea <laughs> um like the inspector when he comes he has to grab it with both hands and and move it because it's so freaking big but it, i think it's there to again this is a, a a way to show through cinema that castle frankenstein looms large over these villagers that it's seemingly intimidating it's bigger than life that the villagers firmly feel like it is too influential and the inspector actually says because they were talking about getting a at the table for dinner mm-hmm. they were talking about getting a bell yeah because she couldn't stand that giant si- knocker sign because it just rings all the way through and um the inspector says very intensively that it's probably because back when it was in the Middle Ages, you wanted to warn everybody mm-hmm. that somebody was the, at the door in the castle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I get it, but I mean, it, it, all the weird things in this movie that I know you you will be criticizing to me is cinema shorthand that actually tells a bit of a story. The interior of Castle Frankenstein, nothing is at right angles. Everything is leaning. It's there to show that there's madness inside these walls, that everyone should feel off center, that there's nothing ever right that comes out of this place. Do you see the cinema shorthand? I see that, but I'm just like... So the inspector arrives. He tells the Baron that that he, he is protecting him from a poison that is his family's name. 
that he can protect him from the villagers because the villagers are not wanting to be hung for attacking Baron von Frankenstein, but the inspector wants to try to protect him from himself and says, look, here's my arm. It got ripped off. Um, he resents that his entire life has been changed by this event, that he wanted to become a soldier, that he felt that he could be a general in, uh, in the army, because that's what he always dreamed about as a child was becoming a soldier and becoming a general. And the inspector does come off as kind of a very no nonsense professional all the time. So he's not like, it's, it's not like he's ever imagined himself as being like this overly officious prick officer it's more of like yeah he is kind of a leader in a way and he knows how to actually talk to people and i'm going to skip ahead to one scene that i actually thought was a fantastic scene and it's when he is talking to um peter von frankenstein the child and peter immediately says are you a soldier and the the first reaction from the inspector is him kind of like setting his face you know, in, in a way like he doesn't want to show any emotion because it actually seemingly hurt him a little bit. And he goes, no, I'm not. And he's trying to be kind to this child. And I think, what was it? Elsa was there with him. And Elsa was like, Peter, no, 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 we're not. But Peter's a child and he keeps going and he says, well, if you're not a soldier, you must be a general. And that's where the inspector changes that he actually holds himself up a little, a little higher and gets a slight smile in his face. And I don't know if you notice that, but it's these little tiny pieces of acting that come in where it's like, he's getting upset at the kid because this is, he's reminded of his lost dream. But then this child thinks that he is, a, if he's not a soldier, then he's a general. And that made him feel good for a moment. And that's why I think the inspector never gives Frankenstein more crap because he's like, I, I actually like this kid. He's still very aloof, but he's never disrespectful to Elsa or, or Peter, the kid. Anyway, um, let's see here. So there are ropes to a hatch up in a tower. So Wolf is going to explore the family grounds. He finds this watchtower where all the experiments were going on. And in the end, we have Baron Wolf finding Igor, Igor, but also the monster. Well, Igor takes um, Wolf to the uh, catacombs. Yes, where there's his father's grave, his grandfather's grave. And on his father's grave, Henry's grave, it, it says like Henry von Frankenstein. And in chalk, it's written as maker of, of monsters. Monster. And Wolf takes the torch, torch marks out the uh, monster and puts man. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I, I'm down with so that. Because this again, is like, a signal to how he thinks about it well it's but again it's true if the villagers hadn't treated the monster like crap he wouldn't have been the monster he would have been a man yes if but, he, they treated him like the if he, they treated the, him like a person if or, they treated him like the hermit of the blind man yeah yeah in the second then movie. he would have been 
a loving person because and he came across as being a person that actually had love in his heart and joy. And um, the, and they, even in this one go about talking about, uh, it was a mistake by his father's, um, assistant. Oh, to get of, the, get the brain get the that's from Abby brand. normal. Yeah. 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 And I'm at that point going, no, that's not the case. It's that how the villagers treated him. Well, it's both. It's both, it, but it's not Henry's fault. None of it is Henry's fault. That's the thing. Henry's fault was doing something that was considered immoral. Yeah, yeah, immoral. Um, so let's see here. There's a hot spring underneath the ruins that has become toxic. Which puts us in a bad part when it's in the... Uh, when it's Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, man, because there's like an ice, ice cave, cave underneath. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm having this problem of all this filmage not continuity crap igor explains that he was hung and that he had a broken neck but didn't die um he shows the him the family crypt and the monster is laying there on top of crypt and is still alive but it's igor explains that it's more like he's asleep comatose yeah that he can open his eyes he can move his arms but it's kind of like his batteries are low that's basically what it is um, and we also learned that Igor has been taking care of the monster for however long it's been since Henry died. And it's died. his friend, so he wants his friend back because that's the only friend he can have. Yes, because everyone else treats Igor like crap because... Igor is crap. Because Igor is crap. Um, but it's here that I, I will say is the Manchurian candidate stuff. Because to me, in these decades that Igor has been taking care of the monster... I think Igor has planted things in the monster's head because we see Igor controlling the monster later on. Well, I was thinking of uh, Stockholm syndrome when uh, this happened, uh, this, this stuff. Really? Started. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the village council at this point bitches about how castle Frankenstein is quiet, too quiet. Like th there, there will be no pleasing the village council, right? Obviously. And they say, well, there's boxes that are going into castle Frankenstein. Yeah. There's equipment being brought in for the lab is uh, the tower. Yeah. So obviously saying. time has passed. Um, we see Wolf win winch up the monster into the lab and he starts doing experiments, tests on the comatose monster. And, and this is where you see that he's actually a medical doctor. He's a medical doctor. how he's how he's examining is different than how his father examined. So this is going to be one of my gripes at this point about the movie. We learn some simple facts about the monster. He has blood pressure, even being comatose. He has a blood pressure above 300 over 220 and a pulse of 252. And Wolf von Frankenstein says no human heart could function like this. And my immediate note was no shit Sherlock, which is funny because Basil Rathbone played Sherlock Holmes. Ha! Um, the monster seems to not have any human biology at all anymore. Like, yeah, you and said I was the like, micros Oh, come on. Uh, are we really wanting to tell you yeah, no, no, no. what the... He, they take the, the, the monster's blood and it's blood cells with sperm cells. You can see the sperm cells. And it's like, what, what the hell are you trying to say? That the monster made out of human parts... All human. I could see this for the Bride of Frankenstein because of the... Oh, the homunculus <laughs> stuff? 
god. Yeah, uh, Darlene, really. Wow, okay, I didn't even put that. You, I, I you didn't, didn't even, go there. I didn't go there. That's that's awful. Like, okay, yeah, the bride's blood. I guess that might make sense. If but it didn't on, make sense. But it doesn't make sense with the monster. Somehow, nothing about the monster is human in this movie, which made me go, F you. Like, the, the whole point of Frankenstein is that, yes, he's been stitched together, but he is human. He is human parts. He, he's, no, and, no, it's not just human parts. He is human. He has a human soul. He's he. Everything about him is human. It's just that he doesn't look right because he is put together. Yeah, he's put together out of parts. So and I will give it to Karloff. He did it again, where he took out his bridge. Oh yeah, the sunken cheeks in in this movie because he doesn't have to talk in this again. They, they like one of the things I read is like they they just don't explain the fact that the monster can no longer talk again because he could talk in the the Bride of Frankenstein. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. He has more brain damage. He's he he's been really badly hurt in the second film, Bride of, uh, Bride of Frankenstein, and, and he's he been might, comatose for decades. Maybe his he hasn't had enough oxygen to the brain. So I don't have a problem with that. So he, yeah, Karloff took out his bridge work, so he has this really sunken face, and it's it looks really good. So Wolf is saying many times that the monster isn't human, that nothing about his biology is human. F you movie, he is human. Um, they turn on all the machines to bring him back. He wakes up, goes back to sleep. The inspector has lunch with Wolf's wife. And we have the inspector and the Baron talk about how the sulfur springs that are below the tower are too hot to use as a health spa, but it was used like back from Roman age. Yeah. The Roman age, but it's, it's become toxic overall. So the monsters and it ends up being gone from the lab, but he seems to come out of the sulfur pit, which is, Oh, and this is the part where they talk about how hot it is that if anyone fell into it, they would be cooked. Yeah. Because it's, instantly. it's boiling sulfur. Um, he, the monster ends up seeing his reflection in the mirror and he freaks out, but he slowly gets used to it. And we learn that through dialogue that Igor is clearly using the monster for his own ends at this point. And it happens to deal with how he plays the flute. Igor. Yeah. Plays a flute and basically controls the monster's actions. Because remember, the monster does know that killing people is wrong, that in general, he will only kill to defend himself, except in this movie where he just, oh, I hear a flute. I'm going to go out and just murder people by tearing them apart. Well, he didn't even do that with the first one. He he punched him to knock him out and then have his horses, his wagon run him over. Yeah. Like it's complex thinking. It's complex here. thinking, so this has to be Igor, not not the mon monster. But I mean, we do see the monster doing these things, like yes, like he's told what to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Benson the butler ends up being missing. Igor says that he ran away because he saw the monster moving around, but it's clear that that uh, Benson has been killed by, by the Igor and by Igor controlling the monster. Wolf just can't prove this fact but even even wolf at this point is like because they oh, can crap. find him and and this is where we really start seeing wolf questioning everything where he's starting to feel even more and more unsettled because nothing seems to be under his control nothing and about this the is, actor really plays yeah, being a, a skittish igor keeps playing music on a recorder and the monster breaks into the an, into an apothecary uh, apo apothecary 
and murders the person the, that, the that runs person. that. The inspector believes that the monster has been brought back and Wolf goes back to the lab and sees the monster laying down. So he's like, I don't know it. Everything about this seems really fishy. I can't find Benson. Who's been my, um, my man assistant. It's, it's more of an, it's more than a servant. He is an assistant. Yes. Because, um, he was the one that assisted helping Frankenstein. And that's why Igor got rid of him. Cause he didn't, you knew the next person that Igor was going to kill after the, so fine. Bergman, yeah, was going to be Wolf. So Wolf decides that he's going to kill the monster while he's laying down, but Igor stops him. Igor admits to having the monster kill the village council members of the village council, and the inspector tells uh, later in another scene. The inspector tells Wolf that he's under arrest just because the way that Wolf is acting, which is all like very skittish, scared. Um, look, I'm putting you under arrest for your own protection, but also because I know you know something that you're not telling me. You know who's doing all these kills. Yeah, he said, I ha- I'm wearing my hat. Yeah, because up until this point, the inspector has taken off his hat out of respect for the Baron and his family as a guest of his home. But he has refused to do so on this occasion, which I thought was a nice touch. He's like, sir, I'm wearing my hat. I am here for, uh, as official business. I have to put you under arrest. Um, and then finally, Wolf says, no, you know what? Igor did it. Igor is doing all this. He's somehow controlling the monster. Um, Does he actually say he's controlling the monster? Yeah, that I- Igor is controlling the monster. Wolf uh, ends up shooting Igor in the lab. Um, we have the oh. inspector finding us, finding the secret door and the body of the servant in there, the, uh, uh of Benson. Oh, that's okay. That's where Wolf actually tells the inspector yeah, that he killed that. Igor. Yeah. Yeah. The monster takes, uh, Igor's body to his bed and the monster freaks out and throws equipment into the sulfur pit, uh, and then kills what he kills one of the maids, right? No, I don't think he killed. He went to, no, he knocked her out. Okay. He knocked Emily out, but didn't kill her because he went to go get the kid for some reason. Okay. But the monster then goes to, uh, takes Wolf's son and brings him to the crypt. He, the monster gets killed, uh, well, gets kicked into the sulfur spring there and dies. The Frankensteins then leave Austria, Hungary, Germany, whatever. The end. Because it's like, this is all bad news. Now, there are and things that we love in this movie. This is the one that's going to come and play next time. Next, well, the, movie. Uh, for for our for our review of Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Because now they said they sense. they said mm-hmm. that they get a gift the castle and the holdings holdings to the village. Mm-hmm. That doesn't that doesn't happen in the next. That film. doesn't happen in. Well, we don't know if it happens in the next film. But it doesn't happen in Frankenstein versus the. That, that is the next film in the series. No. Isn't it? No. No, 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 no. Because the Frankensteins still have their land in Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman. Right. So maybe the village never took it because they just don't want anything to do with the Frankensteins. They're like, screw you, I'm not taking this. So, darling, what works? What works? Uh, the acting. Yeah, the acting is top notch. Bella Lugosi. Um, Karloff, 
Basil Rathbone was fantastic. Um, the only acting that I didn't think was honestly that good was Peter Von Frankenstein, the kid, because I but think that's he was a just, kid actor, a and kid I actor. really yeah. thought that was pretty good for a kid. I, yes, I, you've got Ghost of Frankenstein. Oh, yeah, we haven't between. done Ghost of Frankenstein. When's Ghost of Frankenstein? 42? 42. Okay. Yeah, and then uh, uh, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman is 43 because it's, it's mid-war. And then you've got House of Frankenstein for 44. Yeah, but we haven't we haven't reviewed that yet. So we no. still have one more Frankenstein movie to get to the point where we've already reviewed another Frankenstein movie. I know we did some of these out of order, but that's okay. Um, so yeah, the acting worked. I thought the sets were great. I don't care if they don't match what the Castle Frankenstein or the Manor Home was in the first two movies. The point is that the, the sets help tell the story. The sets help tell the story of this of If this movie. you knew what they were trying to tell. Which you would if you understand cinematography. It's supposed to make you unsettled. It's supposed to make you feel off center. Like it does. And I think that's what, when you're griping about it, it's, it's, that's exactly the, the point of them trying to do that. I that also kept on seeing that there's a, a, a eight, a five to eight year old child mm -hmm. and all the rails on that. He could just go right underneath and fall out. There's weird staircases that seemingly just jut out over open rooms. Yeah. It's, Again, I think that's there to make and you, you feel like you you stopped the film at one point, okay, and then pointed out the fact. This is goes with what you're trying to say that the only right angle in it was the door. Those rails on the stairways that come out over the open room, you fearing for that kid is the appropriate reaction that they're trying to give you. In that that kid could just run right off it. You're fearing for the kid. Everything about these sets is designed to make you feel off. To make you feel like... To make you feel worry. And that's why I think it works. It's actually some of... To me, it's some of the most brilliant set design in any of these movies. The, the only problem I had is was it, it doesn't deal with continuity. Is it is it overly ornate? No, because I, I actually think I like the hammer horror ones better aesthetically but i'm saying for storytelling purposes these sets are very very empty very plain but and, they work and even well. her heels clicking on the and echoing yeah echoing. I, see it, it's everything about these works for the story it might not be the prettiest it might not be the most aesthetically pleasing but it is direct and to the point and that's what I appreciate. I think it works. What's another one of your things that you like? You said the acting. I said I didn't like that part. Was the... what was the what was the second one besides the acting? Because oh. we're going to disagree on things that we like. I my first one was the sets. What's your second thing that you like? Well, I'm trying to think. Go ahead with yours. My second thing that I like is I do like the makeup and costuming in this movie. I think it is, again, it's simple. It's not overly ornate. Obviously, they did a good job with the Frankenstein makeup. Uh, with with Boris Karloff, I appreciate that he took out his bridge. It makes him look more monstrous with his sunken cheeks. And I then think, they put in a piece in Bella Lugosi that made him talk funny. They put sharpened teeth in Bella Lugosi's mouth. Oh. And... 
I mean, his makeup looks great. But I mean, everything about Bela Lugosi is fantastic in this movie. It's absolutely everything's about about him. But I mean, it's not just the acting. It's his stage presence. It's the way he moves. It's the way he commands how, the scene. How he did that with his shoulder all the time. Yeah. I mean, he's... Because that he's, wasn't just padding on one side. That was him scrunching his... Yeah. So... Body. My, my second thing would be costuming. Him. Costuming and makeup, I think, really does work well in this. It's simple. Like, Basil Rathbone, when he's um, near the end of the movie, he has this, like, simple suit on. But it actually has different colors of fabric on it that makes it... It, may, it, it suggests a body shape that is not his. Um, when Remember in Strange New Worlds, which is the new, one of the new Star Trek shows, I pointed out that the female uniform has these black sides to them. And the males don't. And the males don't. And it's because the black sides suggest a narrower waist. It suggests more of an hourglass shape, when e- even if the actress doesn't have that exaggerated shape. It suggests that. So here we actually have Basil Rathbone having something similar where his waistcoat actually has a curve to it. It actually goes, it's like straight up and down near his waist, but then curves out. Yes, it did. And it's, I didn't it's even strange. Notice that. It's, it's there because it's, to me, it's strange. Again, it's another one of these choices of lines and, and, and angles that you would normally see on a man's on a man's waist jacket like that, not curves. You would see like a straight line or up down kind of things where it doesn't fit. Again, it, it's one of these things that it, it makes you feel like Wolf von Frankenstein doesn't fit. The, I these, can see that. And also the Burgermans always had, had um, very bleak clothing. Mm-hmm. They were bl- a, a bunch of bleak people. Yes. And they all sat at, desks that were tall and narrow at the bottom and wide at the top again if if you if you know like these tim burton type films it's a very tim burton-esque set but it's there to make you feel off balance that you're going to fall over it's all, all of that all of that links together now have you thought of a second one that you really like in this mm, not really not really see mm-hmm. that I don't know. I, I think there's lots of little things that, that work. I like the set. Well, I've already said the sets, but I liked the idea of these, uh, of the sulfur pit, even though it doesn't fit into later films. I kind of like that, that here's this old ancient, like Roman era bath that was used as a health spa back in the day, but has slowly heated up to become like the sulfurous pit. Okay, that's that's interesting. Obviously, we know that the monster is going to get thrown into that and somehow survive. But well, he's not supposed to have survived. He's not supposed to have survived any of these films, but he does. So that's fine. It, it's a conceit that we have to kind of kind of say happens in these movies. Like, hey, it's a Flash Gordon serial. Flash Gordon gets killed by crashing his rock into a moon. How is he going to survive? Well, he does through whatever Deus Ex Machina that that occurs yeah right so what doesn't work darlene you say the sets that's that's one of them what's another one that you say don't doesn't work because i'll disagree about the sets i didn't like the sets because it just didn't fit with continuity so i guess the question the thing is not the set it's the continuity you don't think the continuity works 
I That's don't, fine. I don't think going from one movie to the other that it actually. That's fine. I I I, I so still it's don't. So not re- the set actual; it's the continuity. Okay. It just doesn't seem to fit with the other two movies. Right. I'll say I don't disagree with you, but I'd also don't agree. It's okay to be, and that's fine. Like I, I see what you're saying, but I don't think it's a, is as big of a deal as to, to make it like a big strike against this movie. I do see what you're saying though. I do see what you're saying. So continuity in general, what else? Is there anything else that you think doesn't work? But I think all the, the, the things that I have a problem with is the continuity between the things that I don't like. I just try to judge these movies on their own because the, the continuity is always going to be very, very loose. It's always going to be really uh, loose. But that's one of my problems with today's I know. movies. I have higher expectations is... for things today because it's easy to just look things up. And that's what makes like continuity errors in these days. But with... you have some of the same players. I know. I, I'm not going to disagree. I don't. I just don't think it's a strike against the movie. It doesn't help the movie, though. It doesn't help. Is there any other kind of like work doesn't work that you really liked or you wanted to point out? Well, like I said, I really liked. Uh, well, Bela Lugosi stole even the scenes from Karl Law. Yeah. Karloff. Yeah. When he was on stage. Absolutely. Um, He's a great for a reason. Um, I like that, even though I usually like to have a strong female figure, I like that she was just, she wasn't a damsel in distress. She wasn't a damsel in distress, Mm -hmm. but then she wasn't in the face. She wouldn't, um, go against her husband. She was more worried about her, uh, child and I like that um, Emily, which is the the nurse, Amelia, Amelia, the nurse, the child tended to. So she was a socialite. It it kind of told you she was a socialite in the beginning, where the kid goes. Am, are, are we going to be with Emily, Amelia, Amelia again? Mm-hmm. And the first thing when he walks in the door. He doesn't care about his surroundings. He goes straight to Amelia. Amelia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, that's fine. That's fine. So it puts you into the fact that she's a a. Uh, she's a very kind person. She's a kind person, but she's also a socialite. I don't think you're using that word properly. She's social bull. That she's friendly. She's friendly, but she's also in America. She's. She doesn't. She take, went around. She had lots of friends. She, she had was lots just, of friends, so she was. She was an extrovert. Yeah, that's fine. Um, so that makes her very unhappy here. Yes, as well. but she's also not really showing that. She's just happy to be with the family and and taking care of Peter. Um, do we recommend this movie? I do. I recommend it. It's not. See, it's not as good as the first two. But again, I always, like I've said before, I combine Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein into one movie because they, they pretty much are, but it's not as good as those, but it's still good. It does have a plot. It has a plot. Bell Lugosi by himself is enough it for me to recommend good, this movie. It has good, it has good acting. 
it has a plot, which is a, something I can say about some of these films that don't. The German expressionalism in this is fantastic. You might not like the sets continuity-wise, but from a design perspective and movie-making perspective, darling, come on. It's kind of simple. Yeah, super simple. But that it needs to, you know, it's it, it's that's all it has to be for this. So I guess I'd say okay to watch. Yeah. I mean, it's, you're not, it's not like a strong recommendation. No. Me, it's more of like, yeah, it's a mild recommendation because it's not as good as the first two movies, but it's still good. It still is. If you good. watch the first two, then I guess be watching the. Yeah. You shouldn't have a problem with this one. No. I, the I, only problem you'd have is the same one I have is that it just doesn't look the same and that's fine. It doesn't. That's fine. It doesn't feel the same. It doesn't. I think the, uh, I think one of the things that a modern filmmaker could take away from this is something that Tim Burton's taken away. That if you're going to make a film that is supposed to be slightly surreal in times or, or it's supposed sets are supposed to make you feel unsettled. You as the viewer are supposed to be unsettled that it shouldn't be just about the characters to do that. It should also be set design. And that's a lesson that you should be able to take away from this. That simple set design can still tell a story very, very, very well. Very well. So I, I recommend modern filmmakers look at that. Look at this movie for that, at the very least. I mean, Tim Burton's done it, but I think Tim Burton does it in a cartoony way. Whereas this was very plain, very simple. It, it's stark, and it works, though. It works. Like, hey, if I want to tell a story about, a, you know... Stalker did it. Stalker did it. But Stalker did it with um, decay. Stalker did it with decay. Whereas this was not decay. This was this was just simple lines. Non-90 degree angles. I, I said, look, the castle's non-Euclidean. Right? Because it is. If you're going to tell a story about a mental asylum, and you don't want to just constantly shove that there's craziness and weirdness happening inside this mental asylum all the time. Don't make your doorways perfectly square. Don't make, don't make the rooms perfectly square, make them five degrees off enough there that the human <laughs> brain sees these things and goes like our house, like our, one of our doors yes, is just say, uh, one our... of our doors is off because it's an old house and it actually is sloped and it looks like a weird door. But you look at that door and you go, there's, was, you're leaning. You want to lean gonna, one way. I was going to say that that wouldn't come off to me doing it just slight because my house is. Yeah. But if you, if you took a protractor to the door, it's not that big of a uh, angle difference. It really isn't. It's like three degrees. Like there's one angle. It's on that enough door that's to make degree. it's, it's and enough in the middle to make it not. That is my point, darling. That is my point is that it doesn't take a lot. It takes just enough for the human brain to go, ooh. Oh, and that might be why most people think uh, houses are haunted. Yeah, just they, they, they have settled in a slightly, just slightly off horizontal way. So everybody feels like And then you're they off. also make a lot of noise at night. Yeah. So it's simple. Yeah, we'll, we'll leave it there, folks. Yeah, we both do recommend this film. I think we both enjoyed watching it. Bella Lugosi's a joy. So we'll leave it there. I'm Aaron. I'm Darlene. Good evening. And keep watching the skies. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought.
Thanks for listening to this episode of This Week in Geek. Hungry for more? Check out our website at thisweekingeek.net. You can subscribe to the podcast, browse our Twitter and Instagram, and leave your thoughts on today's topics. If you'd like to give us some feedback, send us an email at feedback at thisweekingeek.net. Tune in next time, and remember, lower your shields and surrender your listenership. We would be honored if you would join us. Thank you for your cooperation. Good night.